let me take a moment and thank all of you all the listeners for the appreciation suggestions and your valuable feedback shared so far believe me we are on it and it will be done soon on that note it's my pleasure to welcome uh, mr kunal choudhury our guest for the day so very good evening mr kunal thanks for your time and it's a pleasure to have you Mr. Kunal uh, is director at our renowned MEP Consulting, uh, Udyan Chaudhary and Associates Private Limited. With the experience of more than 13 years, he has successfully delivered several prestigious projects, not only in India but across the globe as well. Sustainable designs, which are coupled with proactive use of state-of-the-art technology, has been the cornerstone of his career as a consulting engineer. Let's start on the buzzwords of the industry: sustainability goals, net-zero buildings. carbon footprint these are all the words you know that we use whenever we are talking about uh, in any forum or any igbc conference are these an indication towards changing priorities with the urban ecosystem or how have they influenced the way project briefs are are made these days yeah it's a good question uh, gitansh actually you know climate change is real is beginning to affect our lives so the people who are part of that entire value chain of any project whether it's a school hospital mall the people involved in the project are experiencing it on a daily basis so during project review meetings etc we are constantly you know bringing up uh, climate change and uh, how carbon neutrality net zero buildings green buildings are going to you know help us in dealing with climate change in the long run and and leave a much better planet Uh, which is secure and self-sufficient and sustainable for the future generations also so it's very much part of the conversation today and it's a very important uh, part of project design today thanks for those insights mr kunal and like you spoke about you know making futuristic buildings you know a study says that close to 70% of the buildings in india that will exist in 2030 are yet to be built and if we look at on the flip side of this 21 out of the top 30 polluted cities in the world are in india so you know we are seeing both sides we are yet to be built on the same side we also need to control pollution so do you see with this uh, anticipated growth that india has to be built do you see that this will act as a deterrent to the country's sustainability goals today we are much more educated and buildings have a life cycle as well so we've seen what kind of problems these buildings have had over a period of time if you talk about 70% more buildings coming up it's going to need a lot more power a lot of water but practically buildings contribute a huge amount in terms of air water noise every kind of pollution that there is uh, the reason for that is the amount of energy we use now whenever you're using energy a large amount of energy there is some coal or some fossil fuel being burnt somewhere in the country today that's also contributing to the negative impact on the environment and uh, you know as far as i am concerned i am very bullish on us as an energy starved economy our job is to make sure that buildings are efficient and that's what the customers want that's what the developers want that's what the end users want nobody wants to spend uh, a lot of money or effort uh, by default because we are energy starved and that gives us that extra edge uh people are very willing to adopt new technology and i've seen this change uh, not today but since the day i i started my uh, career in this building construction industry and we are very very bullish on people adopting new technologies and sustainable technologies and making sure that you know we have an energy efficient building yes the energy costs and the energy numbers are going to rise as a result of the additional number of buildings but i'm sure technology will come forward and help us out there 
So basically what you're trying to say is that uh, sustainability does make sense even for the investors. That's right. So share with us also, you know, some of your experiences where, you know, when you talk to an investor who is looking at an upfront investment cost rather than a total cost of ownership that you are generally talking about. How do you get around and explain this sustainability concept to them? Because not many of our uh, investors still believe or understand the TCO concept. So how do you educate them and how can you, you know, we can learn from you and making sure we do similar things? It's simple. I do not believe in the concept that, you know, trying to be sustainable costs you more money. I am extremely clear on that because by changing the orientation of your building or by improving the quality of glass, you know, we have to look at life cycle costs of buildings. I think that's something that we've been a little short-sighted on. And I think as, as consultants, as designers, as advisors, it's our job to start talking about life cycle cost of buildings. And being an energy-starved country, like I said, again, I'm sure that the solar farms are coming up in next few years. I'm very hopeful that we'll be a extremely power surplus country and we'll be exporting power and all of that because of our solar potential but still as on today we are dependent a lot on coal and other things and energy costs are not coming down as we speak so that means that we have to talk about the life cycle cost of the building building owners and developers they are quite open to technologies that will help them reduce operating cost so I think that's a bridge that's not very difficult to bridge. You can actually make that crossover pretty easily. It's just that the messaging from the advisors like us has to be very clear and uh, it should spell out the life cycle cost of the building. Sure. I mean, I totally agree. And that's where, you know, the consultant fraternity, your fraternity plays a very big role in making the entire uh, country like India shift from a low investment to a low TCO kind of a setup in terms of commercial buildings. So looking at, uh, you know, the next aspect, uh, Mr. Kunal, uh, commercial buildings are something we have been doing for many years, right? So we now see that uh, India is also identified as a big hotspot for data centers, right? You are yourself associated with a lot of data centers. And if we look at, uh, you know, on a holistic view, we see 2% of the world's CO2 emissions, they come from the data centers. This 2% is also equivalent to the global airline industry pollution. So with this data center industry, do you think so that uh, their initiative to use 100% renewable energy and reduce per square feet cost of energy, do you think so these goals are achievable or uh, do you think these are far-fetched and more ambitious? This is a very good question, uh, especially because uh, I'm a certified data center designer from Uptime Institute and uh, we are working on a few data center projects and you see everything today is about data. The fact that we are able to connect so easily on this podcast today or watching a movie on Netflix or anything you're doing on your phone. So it's all data related, isn't it? So the demand for servers, the demand for server farms, the demand for cloud computing, for example, edge data centers, it's just going to keep growing and it's not going to stop. We can't wish it away. So it's going to keep happening. I think one of the most important things for data centers is something called PUE. So power utilization effectiveness. PUE basically means that how much IT load you're catering to, say a 10 megawatt data center you're doing, and that's the IT load of the data center. Now, there are ancillary loads supporting the IT loads from which the major part is cooling. So if you have lesser energy being drawn to cool that 10 megawatt, the PUEs are better, which means you're more effectively utilizing your power. So the 
geography, the location of the data center, I think that plays a fundamentally important part when you talk about this particular question. Because if I do a data center in Delhi NCR, for example, versus I do one in the hills in Himachal Pradesh somewhere, it'll be very different just because of the cooling demand, just because of the free cooling uh, opportunities that you'd have. But it is also true that, uh, you know, countries want to retain their data within the country now uh, because of all that's been happening in the world. And then again, the technologies that we're looking at. uh, So we're talking about cooling the servers directly instead of cooling the air around the servers, which is the conventional way of cooling data centers with, say, a precision air conditioner or with fan walls today, which are in use. Uh, we're talking about dielectric liquids, which can be cooled through a chiller and the entire server could probably go into that dielectric liquid so that there's direct cooling of the server. So a lot of things are coming up. We are far from that today. But yeah, I don't see a net zero kind of a thing in data centers because the wattage per square feet is so high. Uh, the energy demand of data centers in a small footprint is so high that you practically cannot uh, make such uh, net zero data centers unless you buy uh, energy or carbon credits. So that's also something that we are looking at. And there could be an offsite solar farm somewhere for uh, conscious sustainability driven uh, data center OEMs and data centered investors. And they can invest in these solar farms or wind farms which are offsite and they can buy those credits and still hit net zero. But On-site renewable is not going to be possible. I don't think so anytime soon. Let's say when we are talking about other buildings, uh, Mr. Kunal, you're a second generation uh, engineer into consultation. So you would have seen a lot of uh, technology shifts. So what Mr. Udyan was doing to what you are doing and designing today, both in terms of uh, sustainability and uh, new technologies. So to what extent do you see this technology playing a major role in helping our cities become greener than what we did a generation back? I think one of the important things is there's an anecdote in the family that my dad, uh, you know, keeps pulling my leg on chillers. He says that, you know, you specify a chiller, it comes to site and you start up. While in his generation, maybe in the 80s, uh, they had to actually make chillers on site and he'd make one and it would break down. And you know, <laughs> So yeah, so technology has definitely evolved and it's changed and it's much better than, than during his time. But the basic premise of, you know, technology or the base technologies have remained same because science hasn't changed, you know. So we are constantly improving on that front. You have to let the planet breathe too. You have to let the planet regenerate. And especially in the building services segment, I'd say, you know, the cooling uh, technologies have to be adopted. Not only just passive measures, but active measures that need to be taken to ensure that your power consumption, your water consumption, I think we don't talk enough about water consumption in air conditioning, and it's very important. And we don't talk about water cool systems. We don't talk about enough about what's happening to our cooling tires. I'll give a very small example. Like, you know, we have millions of cooling tires in India. Most of them sit on rooftops. And do you know where the rooftop rainwater goes? To our rainwater harvesting pits. So. Where do we blow down our cooling tire water? On the roof. So where is that water going? To our rainwater harvesting pits. Now, it's such a simple thing to plug. We cannot throw cooling tire, blow down water, which is probably one of the dirtiest waters known, into our uh, rainwater harvesting pits. You know, we're polluting our own water. So there are a lot of these small little things that need tweaking. We've been trying to reach out to different 
uh, government bodies as well and trying to educate them that look finally if 10 years 15 years down the line i i completely destroy my groundwater one is drying too much one is you know polluting it please let's not pollute it so you know those are things that we are working on actively and trying to find technologies that will help solve problems and the second part of your question was uh, regarding the adoption of technology to do these things now as opposed to before so well in my short career i've seen what mistakes we were doing 10 years back and that's what we are talking about so there is enough expertise there's enough experience there's enough knowledge in the engineering community or the building engineering community in india to know what errors we've done in the past so it's very important to solve these problems now and we're working towards them one by one so that we have greener cities we have lesser air pollution for example we stop using dg sets because our power infrastructure from the grids are improving our grids are getting more powerful we are not uh, short on power that there have to be power cuts which was probably the case even earlier than 10 years back so we are plugging those gaps as we go along and yeah we will have a greener india and we will have a greener planet and we hopeful of that i'm very sure the clients are also appreciating that we are very upfront about this that you know this can be done better although the old project was also designed by us but we have figured out something which is even better so can you share any such project mr kunal you know in which very close to your heart and which you think you have uh, done significant improvements and uh, you feel very great when you talk about that project i mean there are many i, I don't want to single out one but uh, the one recently that i've worked uh, very hard on and continue to do so is uh, bennett university in redenoida uh, which is a large campus 68 acre campus for times of india group and we designed a you know we've done all the so the services the electrical the plumbing firefighting everything there uh, but the thing closest to my heart in that project is my district cooling plant and uh, touchwood has been performing phenomenally and we've been you know adding buildings every year now for the last 5 years and it's become a plug and play kind of a system so we'll have a fully integrated ready campus but what we do see is uh, the power of removing air and dirt from chill water lines we see the power of thermal storage of of really large volume uh, chill water pipes for example and we worked actively with danfoss in that project on various uh, solutions that we had to offer and we find that if you just do very basic things and not very heavy duty automation you can really have a system that's extremely efficient and because of large chill water volumes on the lines and good controls localized controls thermostatic controls picvs for example and good controls on the pumping uh, whether it's on the tertiary side as on the secondary side and buying a good quality heat exchanger for each building as which is hri certified is giving us numbers Uh, which are beginning to scare me because in terms of the overall built up area we are averaging somewhere in peak summer close to 900 to 1000 square feet per ton operating it's not a certified green building or anything just the basics have been taken care of i think the architects have done a great job again because of the sustainability goals and knowledge they oriented the buildings in a nice way you know there's not a huge amount of glass uh, you know there's been insulation has gone into the roofs which are very basic things but just the and i should thank the clients too that they've given us this opportunity to go out there and express ourselves technically and i think i planned a 7000 ton district cooling plant with the 1000 tr standby module i think we will end up 
with 4,000 plus 1,000. And also the fact that the operations team is very careful. We've done demand control ventilation. Obviously, during the pandemic, it's been disabled. We're maximizing the amount of pressure coming in. It's something that is blowing my mind. And so we're still learning. That's been a good experience for us. That's an amazing attitude, Mr. Kunal. And even more amazing of the reduction that you have done in the overall TR. It's almost a reduction by 40%. So, you know, as India moved towards 2050, more towards a more net zero, a more sustainable country in itself, we know there's going to be a massive surge in the energy demand. So how do you think these other factors would contribute to these uh, net zero goals that India has as a country and with the support of our PM, like you rightly said? You know, I want to begin with one point here that we have to build. That's a non-negotiable. There are a lot of homes that need to be built, for example. There are a lot of schools, a lot of hospitals. I mean, just look at what's happened post-COVID. I mean, we need a lot more healthcare for the kind of facilities, of course, for the kind of population we have. And, uh, you know, these buildings are going to be built whether we like it or not. Now, the point is, again, I think fundamental to the education that we're bringing in. So we're also doing green building consultancy these days. We have a sister concern that's participating in that. And we understand that there's a lot of power in collaboration. Right? So when we talk about the architects, when we talk about the interior designers, we talk about the landscape designers, the MEB consultants like us, or the green building consultants, there has to be a certain synergy. And that synergy is in terms of understanding each other's work also a little bit. Because, you know, eventually all of us work to build a landmark project, for example, for the client, for the end user. Now, there is not a single client, I can tell you, Gitanj, who's telling us that, Our vision is not sustainability. Our vision is not going green. Our vision is to, you know, pollute the cities. It's not that. Because it's affecting them, it's affecting their children, their family members as well. There is a clear mandate that do this, but do it at a certain cost. Don't inflate my cost. Now, how do we do that? If we are just cognizant of the building materials that we are using, if we just follow code even, I think there is so much that can be saved on the project where the little ways in which we can work within that budget that the owner of the project has, still deliver a sustainable project, whether you get it certified or not. And this is all driven by knowledge. So eventually, I think most of the top architects in India today have designed at least five to 10 uh, certified green buildings. Them talking about things that we couldn't even imagine 10 years ago. So it's basically about education and, and being sensitive to the cause and being sensitive to the client's demands as well. And I think you get a product, you get a design, you get a building which is sustainable and doesn't cost you too much, and then meets your goals. So I think that's where we are headed. Thanks, uh, Mr. Kunal. Uh, you know, amazing insights. Uh, you know, being a part of the industry for quite some time, uh, it's still very fresh ideas and concepts and perspectives that you spoke about. So before we close, Mr. Kunal, uh, many of the new joiners in the industry, they look at you as a youth icon or, you know, they always look up to you for uh, understanding the concept, understanding what consultancy is about and understanding the right practices. So what message do you have for these people who are, you know, upcoming in the industry and who want to learn from the very best like you? So what message do you have for them? Well, it's very simple. For me, it's important to learn and also teach. Acquiring a truckload of knowledge is never going to help anybody. You should be able to first convey it to your clients, to your peers, and uh, the freshers in the industry. This is a great industry to be working in. The talent can come through. It can learn from people like me, from our peers. There are so many 
friends in the industry you guys you know as oems are also there to pass on whatever knowledge that you have i think the game is knowledge driven now if they acquire a certain amount of knowledge they should make sure that the baton is passed on to the next generation they have to pass on that knowledge to the next uh, incoming crop of engineers i'd say and once that happens we create that ecosystem 2050 is not far we will reach our sustainable goals thanks mr kunal it was really a pleasure having you and uh, i can tell you you know when you start uh, dissipating uh, more knowledge it will not be a truck load but i'm sure it will be a complete data center that we need for the knowledge that you have so thank you so much and uh, we also look forward mr kunal to uh, receiving nominations for the danfoss hall of fame for many of your prestigious projects uh, data centers and other sustainable buildings so look forward for that and uh, once again thanks for your time and we look forward to having more discussions with you and learning a lot thanks gitash